welcome to Novel Evening, the podcast where I chat with fellow book lovers and authors about their ideal fictional night of fun. Uh, my name's Danny. you can find me over on Bookstagram as at Blotted Ink Books, and this episode I am joined by the incredible Phoebe Wynn. Uh, Phoebe is the author of Madam, which was one of my absolute favourite books of last year. It had all the uh, gothic girl school vibes uh, perilously perched on the edge of a cliff. Um, it had the isolation and the drama and the scandals that I absolutely live for. And her newest book, The Ruins, is due out this year. Um, and I'm super excited to read it. I can't wait to chat with her all about it and find out more. Uh, and yeah, and discover all about her novel evening. So a huge hello to Phoebe. Hello. Hi. How are you doing today? Oh, yes, fine, thanks. Yeah, no, so it's a jolly Saturday, so that's great. Thank you for having me. I'm very jealous because, as you've told me, you are in the south of France. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it's for me, it's like a retreat, so it's, it, it is nice, but, I mean, don't be too jealous. There's also, like, I, I've had to ask my aunt to bring me some mini eggs because I didn't get any this Easter, and she's about to come from England, and I've got, like, a list of things like, you know, baked beans. It's stupid, isn't it? Don't be too jealous. <laughs> The French, they're not going to do baked beans and mini eggs. <laughs> no, they don't really know what mini eggs. It's really sad. There's no Cadbury's in, in France. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you live out there then for some months of the year? Are you kind of based in both or? I'm definitely like base grounded in England. But um, I, when I need writing phases, this is a great place to come. Um, because I'm alone here and it's a family house. So, and it's just really quiet. I have friends yeah. here, which is nice but it's just basically to concentrate on the writing is really great. I mean, so you can pick and choose. If you want to go and socialise and break up the writing a bit, then you can, but otherwise you're completely alone in your writing. Exactly, yeah. And even sometimes if I do socialise while I'm writing, because I tend to write such dark stuff, <laughs> I have to, like, if I'm invited to something, I have to give stop the whole day and not write that day. Otherwise I'll be grumpy or unhappy yeah. or moody or which is really funny. My friends find that really strange. <laughs> so funny, because obviously your books are quite intense, I would say. Uh, I adored Madam. It was like one of my favourite reads of last year. So good. I, I absolutely loved it. But it was a very dark story. Yeah, really intense, yeah. yeah. Very, very intense. What was your kind of inspiration for the story? I think, um, so I will, because I'm writing book number three at the moment, for some reason... I think I will always write about the struggle of women. I will always, it will always be dark and there will always be a Gothic element. There'll always be like an ancient element to it as well. Um, but when I, but my inspiration to answer your question was mostly, um, I took some time out from teaching and I wanted to concentrate on writing and I couldn't help all of my writing classes I went to, I kept coming up with the same scenes of girls in a boarding school, which was my latest, the school I had let, recently left. Um, and if you've read Madame, I, I don't want to spoil it for your listeners, but um, I saw the ending first because I love Gothic novels yeah. and I, I'm a classics teacher. So I used to, so I'm that kind of tragic, devastating ending I love. Um, very Greek you know if you think of like Oedipus stabbing his eyes out when he finds out the truth and he, so he can't see the truth anymore and um, so I saw that ending and I thought how interesting how did we get here so it started from the ending and then I 
sort of plotted my way backwards um, in my writing classes. And uh, it sort of came, came very quickly, actually. But there was a lot of um, ancient Greek stuff, obviously, as, as you know, in, yeah. in the book as well. And a bit of Roman history, too. And then, um, yeah, and then the kind of Gothic element, you can't escape the Gothic stuff with... In my writing, it's things like, you know, the tropes, like the house, the, yes. there's always a house. So in, with Madame, it's a school. With my second novel, it's a, it's a chateau. So, and there's always a vulnerable female. And then you've got that aggressive male energy. It doesn't have to be one man. It could be many or it could be the system like it is in Madame. Mm -hmm. um, and then the isolation aspect and the fun you can have with that was really exciting. I mean, I couldn't not write it really. <laughs> it gives me very... Um... Daphne du Maurier vibes and like picnic at Hanging Rock. It's really got that kind of feel about it. And I think there's something about when you get a group of teenage girls together, completely isolated from the outside world, they become almost their own kind of justice system. Yeah, they, like yeah. all of the guys type thing. Yeah. I, I had a chat with a friend yesterday who's, who just finished Madam and she was like, where did you get the imagination? And then I hesitate to say this because people hate to hear it, but a lot of the things that are said to Rose by the students was were said to me. I can imagine. <laughs> I, I, there are a lot of teachers out there um, that uh, it's not usual for me to teach wealth and to teach um, all girls and everything. And as you say, yeah, girls together, they can be really terrifying. Um, yeah. And I think when you don't have boys in the mix to kind of break up that really strong female energy, sometimes, especially in a, you know, a scenario like that within a school, it can become quite a pack mentality, I feel like, with girls. They can kind of form these very intense bonds with each other. Yeah, I think that's really true. I have a lot of readers that contact me on Instagram and social media that say, oh, your book made me feel guilty about the way I treated this person at school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every teacher I had, I'm like, oh, I was awful. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I even had a, a book club. I spoke with a book club and one of the ladies there said that her husband had a really traumatic time at boarding school and um, she never understood it. He never really talked about it. And she read Madam and she was like, oh my God, I get it. <laughs> I understand now. It's yeah. because it's completely away from society and reality, I think. It becomes this sort of strange. In Madam, it felt like this really strange other world. That's exactly right. And I think, yeah. I mean, you can even see it in the current UK government, you know, the idea of things that you can get away with, can get away with if you're rich enough, if you're posh enough, if you're privileged enough. I think that's a really interesting idea which is really current <laughs> yeah absolutely and you've obviously said the ruins is is due out and yeah. i'm really excited and you said it's but set within a chateau july. yeah so that comes out in july it's a summer it's a summer holiday um it's again like slightly autobiographical but not really because i mean the school in madam doesn't really exist <laughs> but um it's about uh three young girls on holiday um, and their families, they're not sisters, but they're, their families are friends, and they're right. in Chateau de France. It's the family house of one of the girls, and it's a summer like they haven't really um, had before, and it's quite nightmarish. It's also quite idyllic, and, and the adults, it's about sort of adults and the way they, the way they treat, treat the children, and it's got um, a very gothic element, but it's hot. Instead of it being cold, mm -hmm. you still have that isolated, and it's sort of about, um, again, the well-off well and privileged Brits doing what they think they can and getting away with things that they shouldn't be able to get away with. And there's an element as well, a double timeline in it where one of the girls, uh, 20 years later, she comes back and it's another timeline and, and, and the, the chateau's for sale and something terrible happened that summer. So you understand from the beginning that 
something terrible happens, so you have to sort of navigate your way through it. Because so there's a lot of psychological suspense in there too, um, which was really fun to write. Um, but it's quite, it's very meaty, um, the ruins. It'll be interesting oh. to see how people respond to it. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. I think again, I'm not privileged and I've not been on a very luxurious holiday, but there is something about when you're a young girl, a teenager, when you get to go on holiday and you get just little tastes of the freedoms that you're allowed on holiday. And I yeah. think it's really easy to think that you're a mature adult because you're in this other country and, you know, it's hot and sunny. And I, I really love the idea of, you know, young women in this very isolated setting kind of, I think that's what you realise actually you are still a child in some ways. Yes. Yeah, I think that's true. I really enjoyed writing it because most of it comes from the child's perspective. It's in third person, but I really enjoyed writing things as if you were a child, the way that children see things. Because I'm, especially as a teacher, I'm so interested in how um, people don't often, even other teachers, like they don't often pay attention to children. They sort of think, oh, you know, I'll punish that kid. But kids remember stuff. Kids are paying attention much more than adults. <laughs> yes. And um, I've really tried to explore that in the ruins to see people respond to it and so far I've had well I mean it's not out at all you know I've had a couple of readers respond really positively so that's good I mean I've got a five-year-old daughter um so she's very young but she her memory is outrageous and she'll remember things that I've either promised her from for eight you know she'll say oh you told us we were going to go here you know and you sort of go yeah we'll do that we'll do that next week we'll go and do that and then she'll remember like you said that this week we're going to do this And I think kids, they really do absorb it and they keep it locked in there more than yeah. adults do. Yeah, sure. I think, yeah, I, I've noticed that with, you know, there are like people out there that are like 30 that I used to teach. <laughs> and they, they remember stuff even from when they were 18. Yeah, oh it's funny. God. And you've hinted that you're working on book three. Yes, at yes, the moment. Yes. Is there anything you can tell us about book three? I can't really, um, I can't really yet, but it's, it is again a gothic story. Wow, okay. um, it's also about women. Um, it follows a lot of the gothic tropes. I can't seem to get away from the classical element because there's even the classical element of, by that I mean ancient things. Yes, yeah. Um, in, in, in the ruins, um, because the girls are told a series of stories. Oh. Um, and in this one too, I'm sort of playing with another kind of idea. So that, so yeah. It's if, if you've enjoyed Madam and then The Ruins, then the third one will be very much in the same vein. Oh, I love it. So now I've got a little inkling in my brain of what might possibly happen in your novel evening. Um, I could be completely wrong, but you've mentioned classics a few times and I'm curious whether that will crop up in your evening. Oh, you'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I have an image in my head now and you're probably going to completely go the opposite way. Um, <laughs> I'm intrigued, but so we're going to go on this novel evening together. I'm going to be like your maitre d' for the night. Basically, I just get to come along to all these evenings for free and uh, come and check them all out. So I'm intrigued to start with, where are we going to go for your evening? Well, it'd probably be easier to start with who. But oh, OK. Because actually, when, I, when you sent me all questions, I was really interested in them. And I thought, because I'm more interested in the brains. So I don't okay. really mind where it is, but does it mean, what I would want though is that like food and drink is like readily available. Is that a thing? Yeah. I think that's more than, yeah, that's, I, I think with this, I'm always very just like, whatever you want to do. And if, if the main element is the people and good food yeah. and good drink and the I setting think, doesn't really matter. Well, I mean, this will explain, but I think probably like a really nice pub or inn 
in Yorkshire Ooh. in Howard, if you know if you know where that is. I've never been to Yorkshire, so I have very much been on sort of the, the south coast, um, and I haven't ventured that far. But I do have images in my head. If somebody says like a Yorkshire pub, I'm thinking cozy, cozy, good Fine. food, yeah, yeah. yeah. hearty yeah. fare, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Slightly dark, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm imagining some like lit sconces and things yes. up on the Perfect. walls. Okay, yeah. brilliant. So we're on the Yorkshire Moors. We've got a little pub. There's good Perfect. food. Who's the first person who's going to join us at the Cozy Pub? Well, it's three, and that's why I've set it in Yorkshire, so it would be the three Bronte sisters. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. And that's where it's so that's the town they, is it? Have I had a mind blank? I think it's the town they grew up in. It was where their port parsonage is. And uh, you can go and visit their house where they live. And I've been there and it's really wonderful. And so, yeah, I think they're my first three guests. That's really interesting because we have had people come on here and they usually mention one Bronte sister, usually Charlotte, generally, um, sometimes Anne, but to have all three, I was quite interesting to see the dynamic between the three sisters. Well, that's it. You see, I want to reunite them and I want to hear them talk and I want to ask them questions because I love Charlotte is my favourite which is really predictable because of the <laughs> gothic. Um, but I think they are amazing. And I think I loved visiting their house and you can read their letters and things. And the way that Charlotte writes about her sisters, how she misses them because the two of them died before quite, well, I think, oh, I don't know. It was, they were, they all died fairly close, I think, didn't they? And I know I with thought, Charlotte, I think I'm it was- Maybe I'm wrong. I thought Emily and Anne died like eight years before Charlotte did. Oh. Charlotte I'm, I might be wrong. I know she definitely died last, but her- Yes, she did, didn't she? Because she was expecting, yeah. That's it. So she, when she talks about how much she misses them. And I don't know if you've seen the TV, the BBC adaptation, not adaptation, because it was an original screenplay, but it was called To Walk Invisible. I've not heard of that. You know, Ooh. if you're if you like the Bronte sisters, it's amazing, and it's written by Sally Wainwright, who wrote, you know, Happy Valley. She wrote Gentleman Jack. Um, amazing. Love her. Oh my goodness. And it's about the three sisters, and I watched it when I was teaching, and it's about, you know, their dad sort of going blind, and their brother gets drunk a lot, and they think, oh dear, you know, what are we going to do when our father dies and our brother's not going to look after us? We should really take a punt at writing. Yeah. And it's the most wonderful kind of. That was part of the reason why I went to visit their place in Howarth. I didn't know that you could. And um, I just found it so inspiring. And I was teaching and I thought, you know what, I'm going to try. I'm going to take a year and, and take a punt and see if I can try writing. And I just think the three of them, as like little people, um, brains operating and chatting to each other and encouraging each other, reading each other's pages. Yeah. I envy that hugely and I'd love to reunite them and listen to them talk. I don't even have to have the end of the conversation, but I might ask some questions. Yeah, but just to listen to how they interact. And because I think their life was actually quite tragic in a lot of ways. Usually, yeah. And yet they were so incredibly talented and they really did kind of drag themselves out of what could have been a really awful situation, like you say, with their father and their brother and yeah, truly and could have been horrendous. I totally agree. And I think you've got, you know, now, we have, we're so, I'm so lucky to have two editors, US and UK, and you have publishers, you have marketing, you have lots under the umbrella of the publishing house. Yeah. 
and um, copy, you know, um, all that sort of stuff. And you, those guys, they had nothing. They had each other. And how can you, you the idea of having Jane Eyre without an editor, it's just like... Oh, it's mad, isn't it? It's just... It's so her, and or even, and then, you know, what would Emily have written if she had lived beyond um, Wuthering Heights? And I think and a lot of people will argue that The Tenant of Wildfell Wildfell Hall is, you know, the best is the best book of all three, which yeah. was written by Anne. And I just think such brains. I would love to just sit and watch. Did you, you know, what just I mean. to just to pick pick things out of what they're saying, and just to hear them would be Absolutely. would be incredible. The courage yeah. as well, because we're not good at that now. Well, I don't know. Um, I think well, it depends on what kind of person you are, but I think it's difficult to be courageous in this day and age. I think. Um, I agree, actually. I definitely agree with that. I think courage is something that's not asked of us as often. And the courage we are expected of us is not on the same level, especially then, you know, the expectations of three young women yeah. living somewhere rural like that would be so different to, you know, many, you know, even Jane Austen, the expectations of the Bronte sisters next to Austen would be so different. So yes, different. And, yes, and I think, you know, that boldness that they had, I think, is really a miracle, really. Yeah. Yeah. Truly, I, I love this idea and I can see them, you know, nestling in at this pub, sitting around in their little corner, being reunited. And wouldn't that be a thing yeah. to get to like witness? Yes, wouldn't it be great? I'd love that. Goodness. Okay, we've got the Bronte sisters and I completely see why you've made that choice. Have you got anyone else coming? Yes, I think um, I would love to have Daphne du Maurier. Yeah, because... I feel like you two would get on really well. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. <laughs> Do you know it's funny you say that? Because I know that Daphne Jamari was a big fan of Charlotte Bronte, so I think that would be really fun as well to see that. <laughs> to, wow. Question to her. That's the amazing thing is you forget these people that you look up to that are these incredible writers, they also had writers that they looked up to, that they, you know, would give their right, you know, right tooth to get to meet. And yeah, the idea of you getting to meet Daphne, getting to meet Charlotte, and getting to all talk about your gorgeous gothic novels. Well, yeah, because because you because you you could I don't know if you're a fan of Rebecca. I mean, I'm a huge fan. And it's I actually had to teach her at one point, which was amazing. And the way it follows so much of Jane Eyre, I think, is wonderful with the the wife, the mad woman in the attic type thing, the dead wife, the, the kind of dominant male and the kind of Byronic hero in him as well. And um, I I'd love to talk to Daphne du Maurier about one of my other favorite novels of hers is My Cousin Rachel. Um, I've got that to read and I can't wait. It's really wonderful and I'd love to know what you think of it because she, as I was reading it, you don't, it's from the, the man's perspective. Okay. So, I mean, I would call her a hardcore feminist. I don't know whether she would agree, but it's from, the, it's about Rachel and you don't know as you're reading it whether she is a demon or an angel. And you change your mind all the time. And even by the very end, I would love to, I say to her, what do you really think about Rachel? I'm not spoiling it. I mean, it's up to you. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I think that is, and I think the, the yeah. amazing thing about her is she wrote complex women, women who weren't perfect. Really and yeah. the same with the Bronte sisters. They all wrote women who were a little bit difficult, maybe a little bit stubborn, a little bit, you know, you know, headstrong, and were all kind of complex, flawed women. And I think you did that very well with Rose in Madam, because I don't think Rose was thank you so much for saying that because I I really wrote Rose as a kind of every woman yeah because I'm not I you know I, I read a lot of books and it's interesting that trend for like a kind of Katniss Everdeen um <laughs> but I mean I don't know personally any Katniss Everdeens in my life 
everyone's no like we're all paper airplanes on in a storm or something you know like um and if for me in madam i wanted the girls to be because they're young they've got that sprightly i was interested in the three girls becoming their own heroines rather than rose being their hero they're the ones that rescue themselves yes and i think but with but, but i'll tell you something interesting about daphne du Maurier. i listened to her i'm a big fan of desert island discs you know on radio oh Talk. yeah i yeah i haven't listened to it in a long time but i've heard of it but if you um they have a big archive so if you think i love that person have a look see if they like i don't know samuel samuel jackson for example he might have one or seamus heaney's my favorite poet there's one for him um and she has one Daphne du Maurier from like the 70s and I hate to I hate to tell you I found it deeply disappointing oh no <laughs> yeah I was oh, expecting no. it to be like oh this no it was very sweet they were like oh you've got your house in Cornwall which was Mandalay and she's going you're lovely and she didn't oh, no. she gave me nothing she gave but I maybe it was the interviewer's fault but I was like come on I know that there's someone in there that's like somewhere within you is this rebel get it out yeah that's it like some somewhere in her because when you read Rebecca and it was fun to teach it the kids were like Daphne du Maurier loves Rebecca and hates the main character and I was like you know maybe you know yeah um because the main character doesn't have a name for example the, the narrator yeah yeah she's um, just Mrs De Winter isn't she that's it and Rebecca wins and 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 when you read my cousin Rachel and then you read the other ones out some of the other ones after that her short you know she she wrote the birds the short story. I didn't know that until I started recording this podcast and somebody said that and I took a moment I was like she, wait what she wrote the but I didn't know that was based on a story to be honest some of her short stories are really dark and you think oh yeah. you're a legend let's talk to you so in the desert island disc, I was hoping that she would get into that. But maybe because it's BBC as well. Maybe maybe when you're yeah. on BBC Radio Four back then, you had to be on your best behaviour. Yeah. And I love the fact her books very much like the Brontes. And again, like Madam, there's always a strong motif. There's yeah. always I think that's a very gothic element, isn't it? There's usually a colour. You know, Jane Eyre's got red, and there's fire, or there's. And I definitely think Daphne kind of nailed that, didn't she? She always had the very yeah. strong you're right and in Rebecca that I think there's loads of plant the plants and the rocks and like are always like jagged or everything's throttling something and yeah um, yeah it's so interesting yeah. I love it and I love the fact you've got these four very strong women yeah, in this are, room right? now yeah yeah I think it'd be exciting and obviously they would ask you questions about your books as well yeah, I'd be like, I'd be, I'm like quite naturally a shy person. So I'd be like, oh no, don't talk about that. <laughs> no, I would big it up. I'd be like, you all need to hear about Madam because I feel like easily it's in that vein with, with those books. Oh, that's so generous of you. Thank you. Oh, it's very true. It was the first thing. And I actually, I'd only watched Rebecca when I read Madam and I read Madam and was like, I need more like gothic women. And I, I started reading Rebecca after I read Madam because I wanted more of that. Oh, wow, that's wonderful. I loved it. I loved it. You loved Rebecca. I I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was so dark and twisted, and that's my that's my jam. (laughs) I like it when it's a bit weird. So we've got our four amazing women are in this cozy pub. Have you got anybody else coming? Well, I've got like a plus here on my piece of paper, which is optional, which you've already mentioned, Jane Austen. So she's pre everybody. 
I don't mind if she's there or not. I do, I love Jane Austen. And I think she could add an element of humor because otherwise I think we're all a bit serious. Yeah. Because she writes about women. And I know that, I don't know, I've read that, that Charlotte Bronte found her a little bit, what's the word? Um, <laughs> trivial. Yeah, I can I can see that to be fair, you know, Pride and Prejudice, and I can I can kind of see why. I see too, but I do. I think I think I'm not sure they would have had the courage. I think she did a huge thing. Yeah. Um, with what she did, you know, writing about ordinary people, and I do love her humor, and I think that would be really fun to have her there too. And I think as well, you have serious books, serious writing in quotations. You still need those romance novels. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. For everyone who picks up a, a crime thriller and a, a true crime like me or a gothic novel, there's still people who desperately want the, the romance and the rom-coms and the, and sometimes both. So I think there's a room for, you know, for Charlotte Bronte and for Jane Austen. I totally agree, yeah. And I think it would be, they would have read her books as well, so that would have been really fun. And also, I think there's loads in there that you can say, I think the way she writes men is really interesting. Some of them are really vulnerable. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. And do you know what I find really interesting? One of my other guests, uh, Charlie, who's the book boy on Instagram, made a really good point that he would invite, he'd invite like Virginia Woolf and, and some other writers, that they were writing about a time they actually lived in. So whereas we read it now in modern day, they actually lived those experiences. That's it, yeah. Which would be incredible to get to talk to Jane Austen about, you know, the balls that she attended in Bath. And yeah, exactly, yeah. All yeah. that kind and of thing. I found one thing I find fascinating as well is none of them were in love yeah when they wrote they were all I suppose virgins yeah. and like I think it's incredible that Jane Austen has written five novels with different kinds of love and she never felt I mean I think she supposedly did actually I'm not really sure about that but she was never married um yeah I've got the um I've got it's there's a series called little people big dreams for children and they do it about such a wide range there's Mary Shelley and Agatha Christie and and it's basically like little biographies of these people uh my son's got RuPaul and David Attenborough and Elton John oh, wow. they're fantastic and my little girl has got a Jane Austen one um and in there it does say that she fell in love with somebody but he he basically proposed to a woman from a, a better family, essentially, um, an heiress who had more money. And that after that, that's when she decided she was going to write romances with a different ending where, you know, the smart, brainy girl gets yeah. the man at the end, not just kind of the frothy heiress. So I think a lot of her heartbreak was channeled into these stories to basically give her heroines a different ending. That's amazing, isn't it? And I think, um, and for someone like Emily Bronte to write Heathcliff and Cathy and all that, like angst and it's like wow and she never had a suit and they probably lived quite isolated right where they were they probably didn't have a whole lot of, of romance opportunities I wouldn't have thought really yeah yeah I mean supposedly I think Mr Rochester was based on someone but for someone like Emily and Anne they didn't they didn't travel did they like Charles Ooh, I don't know actually my history is a bit dodgy but um I just think that's incredible that you could write that those women could write that stuff Incredible. And I've got a friend who's, uh, she's again a bookstagrammer. Uh, she's utterly bookish. And she is like the quintessential fount of knowledge for the Bronte. So I'm sure if I was to ask her, tell me what, did yeah. they fall in love? Did they do this? She would absolutely know. Um, but I do think that they, they clearly wrote experiences they hadn't necessarily experienced themselves in any way. And that's incredible. I think that's what we're both saying, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like, yeah the the way that they can express human emotion having not lived through it um having not lived 
the lives that sort of we the things that we're exposed to today regularly I just think that's I think it's incredible I think they're incredibly brave and to stand the test of time I mean yeah. I don't know how many books from this period will be read you know decades on um you have to hope you know your book will you'll get it read and there'll be people in 50 60 70 years time but you think about the, how long these books live for and how relatable they still are even now yes, it's amazing I just think uh, you know Bridgerton wouldn't exist if it weren't for Jane Austen and things like that and no way I, I completely agree and I would love to sit with these women and explain to them I wonder if any of them like you would have to say like they've made adaptations of all of your work all of your books are on screen or plays or you know have had it's fan no, fiction written no. about them it's mad they wouldn't believe it I don't think <laughs> it'd be very confusing like that for her day you know yeah. it's yeah. mad so you've got a wonderful wonderful gathering of incredible yeah. female writers do you have anybody who you really don't want to show up to our little quaint pub yeah, I think so. This is a really nice number, don't you think? I think keep it low. I think it's nice. It's intimate. I'm feeling the intimacy of the crackling fire and the conversation and the good food and drink. Yeah, and I think freedom as well to speak in a pub. Yeah. Um, like their dad's not up, so no one's dad's upstairs. I'll just be polishing the glasses behind the bar and eavesdropping. <laughs> not at all. You'll be in the fray. And I think <laughs> that's great. And I think, I think in terms of who's not allowed, I, in my head I was thinking, you know, no men. Because then... You, the women are silenced those women from those their parts of time like they will not speak their truth not as yeah not as freely I think um and the other because I was in my head I had wondered whether I would invite because I also love Thomas Hardy mm -hmm. but he's a man um and so no not him not that he's expressly not invited but he was on my maybe list if he was to knock on the door we wouldn't turn him away from the gathering if he happened to be passing i have not i grew up literally in hardy country i literally my birthplace was dorchester so i lived was lived right by max gate i lived in uh in bridport which is i think as he called it port breedy in his books and i basically grew up around there and i think i've read a grand total of two of his books so i i have work to do <laughs> i need That's to read one i went there it was like an homage i went to like um Oh my goodness, I forgot what it's called, that beautiful Dirtle Door. Dirtle Door is stunning, isn't it? It's beautiful. Yeah. I went to Max Gate and then the little cottage he grew up in. It's such an adult, when I as well, I remember going as a kid and because it was Thomas Hardy's house, I imagined something big and yeah. it's this tiny little cottage, isn't it? And it is literally just in the woods. So you would never know it was there. That's what I also think is amazing that I just think he sat there and, um, in his little, sorry, I don't know if you can hear, there's an owl right outside the window in one of the trees. It's hooting, <laughs> it approves. Um, he, he sat there and he was like, you know, he's not wealthy at all. And he was like, I must write Far From the Madding Crowd. And it's such a sweet story. And it's such an amazingly romantic story. And it's really slightly, slightly feminist, not feminist. Yeah. He was a supporter of the suffragettes later. And it's like, I don't know, I just think, I love, I, I, and then he wasn't, and he wrote it as a serial and it worked and everybody really loved it. And then he went on to write, of course, Tess and Jude. Which like, I mean, Tess is so, it's so explosive for the time. The, yeah. the things he covered in that, as a man writing that about a woman, yeah, must have been so shocking. So I think if he was to, you know, happen upon our Yorkshire pub, I think he'd do okay with that group of women. Yeah. I think he'd sort of bow down to... Mm -hmm. um, Charlotte and Emily and Anne. I don't know how he feels about Jane, but 
but um he'd be really excited to be there I think yeah I think so I think and so he recognized that whole what I quite like is that they're all slightly shunned yeah <laughs> yeah they're all kind of a bit you know outcast of society a little bit they were kind of the you know like because Tess wasn't allowed to be published in the UK and then the US said that they were published it and then because apparently a woman who had even though she'd been raped like a, a woman who had like committed adultery or that they that because he gives her a kind ending they were like it's against the church it's appalling um they were like no she must be punished in this novel and it's like no she was punished from the beginning for yeah. existing um and then the american publishers same as mine actually macmillan published it in the u.s so that the uk had to publish it i did not know that that's I incredible that I, I didn't know that either but wow. um but I, but I love the idea, because by then he's an established author and there were people visiting Max Gate, but I love the idea of him in that farmhouse writing Far From Madding Crowd about Gabriel. He's totally alone, just surrounded and by, and it is really surrounded by the woods, isn't it? It's completely... Yeah. And not writing anything, it's not remotely matched though, it's an adorable story. Yes. Yeah, I do, I, that's what I need to read. I think I've watched, they filmed an adaptation there quite recently, didn't they, right in the, in the midst of it that I really enjoyed, so I need to read it. I that's really enjoyed like... the adaptation, I thought it was great. Yeah, and it was, it was such a big deal for people who live in those areas, the fact that they were filming it there on yeah. location in the places where it was set was incredible. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was as he imagined it, essentially, it was in the places that he literally pictured in his head. Exactly. So I was living in Paris at the time, I was teaching in Paris when that film came out, and it was like, maybe so homesick. I'm from Brighton, so I'm not from the oh. doors but the coast stuff was just incredible you know you said I lived in Paris and I was like sick with jealousy I was like oh that's lovely <laughs> I want to live in Paris I don't want to teach I just want to be rich in Paris <laughs> you always want to just come home trust me <laughs> I, I'd give it a good go to be fair I'd try it for a little while okay so we're gonna say Thomas Hardy is allowed if he happens upon the group but ideally no men yeah that's fair. And is there anyone else who you don't want there, or are you just going to sign kind of just just privacy? Yeah, no, I don't block anyone. I guess no. No, I like okay. And to be fair, pub doors have locks on them, so we'll just lock in. That's what we'll do. We'll do a lock in with these ladies. We'll stoke the fire and we'll uh, get cozy and chat. And I, I love it. I love your reasons for having them there. And you know what? Having read Madam, and I'm so excited for the ruins. I can see why, maybe with the exception of Jane, but still she's amazing. So, but I can see why you've chosen these women completely. Yeah. Oh, great. Thanks. I love it. And whenever someone comes on, before they go, I always ask them, what are they reading at the moment? So do you have a current read? I know you're writing, so. No, I do actually. Um, yeah. I've been trying, working, like, that sounds crazy, but I've been working hard, trying hard to read more contemporary stuff. Okay. Because I tend to like, just go back and reread. <laughs> you know, Jane Eyre again. <laughs> um, so I'm reading two books at the same time. Um, I'm reading Stacey Hall's Mrs. England. Oh, such a good book. No, I really like it. Yeah, really, I'm quite early in. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a really lovely story. She's got such a, a beautiful way of writing, I think. Yeah. That's really yeah, lovely. Yeah. You can get lost in it. Um, and then, and I'm really intrigued at the moment as what's going on with Mrs. England. As to what's going on and then I'm also reading Lucy Foley the guest list oh how, how far into that are you quite early on I read the hunting party mm -hmm. um, and I really liked how pacey it was sometimes it's good to read that sort of thing like thrillery pacey 
I do find thrillers are really good, almost like palate cleansers in some ways. If I've read a lot of like historical fiction or fantasy, they're quite good to like, yeah, you can get through a thriller, you know, a good thriller that's written well, you can really get through yeah. quickly. Yeah, yeah I think. Hang on, the guest list is like there was an island um, and a wedding. That's, yeah. Oh, I've heard such good things, uh, such good things about her books. Um, I want to read the Paris apartment, but I thought I should read her first book. <laughs> read through it. Yeah, I'm a bit like that. I always feel bad if I buy someone's like new book and I've not read like their backlist. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I should go back and read a few more of their like older books. But uh, I'm just about to read by Elodie Harper. I'm about to read The House with the Golden Door. Oh, I'm so excited for. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. And then obviously The Ruins, I have pre ordered. So. Oh, thank you when it comes in July I'm very excited to read it I'm intrigued by the idea of a gothic novel set some I mean Rebecca was set somewhere hot to begin with wasn't it when yeah, they're on the... you can tell me what you think um yeah I actually shall um... I shall there'll be a review up once I've read it there'll be a review I'm sure I'm gonna love it I loved Madame the chateau and like the decay of the you know as I say the house is for sale 20 years later and uh, that, that gives me Manderley vibes again though the idea of going back to somewhere that's in ruin but it's full of all these memories for you and you realize it's just a it's just a house yeah it's really fun to do that yeah. do you ever write yourself I do yeah I do write I'm writing something at the moment uh, working on on a novel at the moment it is it's also kind of gothic but it's more sort of a gothic historical fantasy so I've got a bit more magic going on because I do like a bit of sort of witchy witchy kind of things going on yes I actually spoke with Lucy Holland her episode I think will be out yeah. next week or the week after um oh, depending on this comes out but yeah I spoke with her I loved Sister Song I loved oh, how it's so beautiful and it brings yeah. magic in in such a real way mm. you really felt like you were there I thought it was so creepy I loved how and yeah. the sister, it was great Yes. So I've definitely got, I definitely like to write a bit of magic in whatever I'm writing because I think I'm a bit of a fantasy nerd at heart. Isn't it um, interrupt you? Isn't it funny what your habits are? Because I think even Lucy Holland wrote the, this morning on Twitter. She was like, I can't help, but I seem to only be able to write about. And I, know yeah. I feel that way about myself too. I'm like, why must I write <laughs> these things? But it's funny what you're compelled to What do. does it say about me that I'm writing these really gothic, dark things? You're like, if a psychiatrist was to look at what I'm writing, what would they say? Oh, no, it's very funny. People, uh, you know, my mum's friends or family friends have read Madam and they're like, is Phoebe okay? She's like, what? Why? Oh, <laughs> you know, she's it's like living her, you know, Daphne du Maurier life over here. Just she's fine. <laughs> it's just the kind of book that I would want to read so if you you write what you yeah what you want to pick up yeah and this is I kind of say it's like if like Crimson Peak met Tim Burton it's kind of got lots of magic it's a bit sexy um having good costumes like Crimson Peak does yeah that's if if ever if someday it was ever made into something yeah it would have to have really luxe costumes and I joke but the reason I started writing it um it was based on a dream I had about Tom Holland (laughs) and I had the dream and I was like that's a really good story so the lead character is actually called Thomas because I couldn't think of anything better to call him and all my friends know and they're like is this written about you and him I was like you need to just block that out (laughs) that is no that's adorable you mean spider is that spider (laughs) (laughs) which is worse because I'm also I'm like oh he's like young and I'm like old mother of two He'd be, there'd be that thing where one day he'd hear about it in like a fantasy world. He'd hear me like, 
He'd be so flat. He's also a really good guy, which is so nice. He yeah. seems like a really good guy. He really seems lovely as well. But yeah, he'd probably be like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so if it ever became cast, I'd be like, my only request <laughs> is that Tom Holland is in it and I get to meet him. That would be like my, that'd be the whole of my contract. If I don't care what you pay me, just make sure he's in it and I get to like meet him one day for like coffee. Okay, yeah, I think he, I don't know how tall you are, but I think he might be this big. I'm only five foot two, so. Oh, okay. Like my, uh, my sisters both of them work in the film industry so does my and both of my brothers-in-law and my, one of my nephews is an actor actually even though he's very little and um so I've met quite a few actors and you they're all always tiny it's really, really? shocking and I'm five foot six so yeah oh my god that's that's just because you see them on screen and you have this image I did think he was probably quite short but he's with Zendaya isn't he and I feel like everyone looks short next to her because she's glorious well, I'm always looking at people and I, yeah, I'm like, I know you're short. And then you see them on screen and they're next to someone else shorter. And you think, how can that be possible? Have you got like, stacked heels on as Spider-Man? Like, have they, like, put you in Cubans? Yeah, I just, but I think it's like a, a thing, isn't it? Like, I, I don't know, maybe, I think it's a kind of an actuary thing. It might be an actuary thing. Like, the, like Michael Fassbender. He's very, he's shorter than me. It's Michael funny. Fassbender is short? Don't do yeah, this That's what I mean. You wouldn't expect it, would you? No. I feel like the fantasies wouldn't hit quite as hard if in your head when they're like striding towards you or sexy as they got closer you realise they were like your height you'd be like oh yeah and I feel like when an actor's tall you know they're tall like you know we know that Tom Hiddleston is tall for example yes yeah and like right. Stephen Merchant you know he's giant exactly. I've met him actually he was so nice I tried to persuade him to I said can you do more extras did you see extras yeah I was like I just love that so can you do more of that please he was like, oh, nothing in the pipeline at the moment. I was like, please. Yeah, but I'm asking you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, please do it. Oh, my goodness. He is someone who I just think he's hilarious probably in real life. I'd love to go for like a pint with him. He's actually like more gentle than you'd expect. Like calm. Oh. Like in a really nice way. Like I was yeah. expecting to be a joker. But he was very calm, very wonderful. And uh, yeah, but the, the tallest, most beautiful actor I've ever met is, is Thor, is Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. What? When? Yeah. Why? How? Tell me everything. I'll my sister's husband, one of my sisters is older than me, he is a DP, he's a cinematographer, and he makes a lot of the Marvel movies. And so when my nephews were little, we went a lot to visit visit the set. So we've met all of them. I met Thor and, and he was actually wearing his, but I mean, I didn't, we shook our hands and I didn't actually speak because I didn't know what to say that was cool. And he was saying to the boys, he was like, do you want to have a go with the hammer? I've got loads of different hammers, they're different weights. <laughs> and uh, he was so sweet. He was so nice. They're all, every time you, you meet someone, but I always end up saying really something really stupid. So my brain was like, you because obviously my siblings are ridiculously calm and cool. We talk about the work. But this, yeah, they're like, this is normal. They're just people. Yeah, for, for my brother-in-law, Ben, he's, he's like, they're the artists. I'm, I've got my role, they've got their role. Um, and I'm like, so I, I can never, you know, I can never be cool. Like when I met Michael Fassbender, it was a party and I told him that he should have won the Oscar. And my sister pushed me, she was like, no, not that, that. She's like, shut up. I, was like, oh, I have to ask, did they also smell really good? Because I feel like they'd have- Always smells amazing. <sighs> and like, the that's my thing. <laughs> you know, the way they walk. I feel like they must smell like, expensive you know it's not even that it's like good skin teeth you know they're really well looked after really well groomed it's just a different kinds of human you know 
literally like I really love my husband um I really do but I feel like these men were created in like a laboratory somewhere like th like where do these men come from yeah because they're certainly not living in Torbay is that where you are Torbay. that's where yeah Torbay isn't full of Chris Hemsworth's um I'm, you yeah, know it's funny isn't it I I don't know I I, I kind of agree with you yeah um, I feel like there's like some lab somewhere that's literally producing these ridiculously attractive men for this purpose what's the guy what's the guy's name that lovely gorgeous Irish actor that was 50 shades of gray oh Jamie Dornan so one of my great friends grew up with him in Belfast and she, I'm like oh, Jamie Dornan. she's like it's just Jamie and I'm like he's gorgeous you know she can't see it I don't find but now you've told me that you meet hot actors I'm gonna try to befriend you that's it now we're, we're officially yeah. friends but I just <laughs> say you know I never have come across cool I've never been cool back if it makes you feel better though if I was to come with you you would immediately look cooler oh I see okay amazing because <laughs> I'd be yeah. such a shade of red <laughs> my whole yeah. head would go red um I might even cry so you'd be able to look really cool next to me when I'm sobbing that's so funny I don't even believe really and then, like it's like my tops like first me like Robert Pattinson yeah I bet he's lovely I don't think he's short. He doesn't look short. No, he looks tall, see? I think he's That's definitely cool. taller than me. I think Tom Holland is probably about the same height as me, which would be a little yeah, disappointing. Yeah. A little bit sad, I think. Chris Evans is definitely tall, I'd say. I'd say he's quite yeah. tall. No, I think he is, yeah. But, like, Robert Downey Jr. is super short. He has to wear heels. Like, heel shoes. Did you meet him as well? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's funny. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie and say I don't really want your life. You're hanging out in the south of France, writing your incredible no, gothic novels, meeting all these sexy Hollywood men. I'm like, mm -hmm. it's not like that at all. It's so, it's always like a, a month here or a week here. It's never it's never long or like longevity. And it's like, if anything, I'll be honest with you, it makes you feel like feel feel your own insignificance. <laughs> I mean, do you get like a little taste as well? Like you get a little moment of like. Yeah, there's nothing worse than when you're walking down a red carpet and all the cameras turn to you and they go, mm. yeah. like, Wait a minute, we don't know her. I would like to try, I'd like that disappointment. Just when I'm here, like picking up my kids' toys and dirty clothes, I'll take it. I'll take it one time on a red carpet. I'll be the disappointment. Just one yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's quite funny. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Uh, and this has taken such an unexpected turn. Yeah, and what on. I basically want to do is just get a list of like all the men you've met and how tall they actually are. We used to say me like yeah. short, tall, tall, short, short. Yeah. <laughs> just I destroy bet, my I top ten. No, I'll tell you what. You're going to notice now. You'll see them on TV and you'll think, oh my god, she's right. Oh my god, look at that. Look at that person. And you'll be like, oh my god, I'm noticing. You'll be noticing now people's height. I'm going to take my whole past top 10 list to be like, no, no. <laughs> it would just be the two Chris's left on there and Robert Pattinson. I might have to fight you for Chris Evans because he's not married, is he? So he's available. No, he's gloriously single. And the thing is, he's just waiting to meet a 31-year-old mother of two that lives in Devon. There you go. He just doesn't know it yet. Well, I mean, he doesn't, especially if you're telling that you're into pirate weekend. He'll love yeah. <laughs> I do love a pirate. What can I say? He's getting fuzzier and cuter by the day. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. I don't know how to meet him. How do I meet him? How do how do you meet him? Well, if you didn't meet him in the Marvel thing. No, he wasn't there. It wasn't his day. Oh no, I would just have hung around. I don't know why I was gonna stay then. <laughs> I am um, honestly, this has been so much fun. Um 
and it's completely yeah it's completely taken a turn I did not expect but uh thank you so much you are over on Instagram aren't you wins is out in July so congratulations in advance I cannot wait to read it and it wasn't that long ago the paperback of Madam came out as well didn't it no not at all yeah it was amazing and I, I was in England for that and it was really fun to go around the bookshops and do some signings and stuff it was super fun I love it I love it. And you'll be doing some signings this time of the ruins, I guess, as well. Uh, yeah, I will be in England, yeah, for all of that time. And I hope we can have some events because now, obviously, when Madam came out, there were no events at all. Yeah. It was all virtual. So it'd be really fun to get. I'm sure. Season. And if you happen to do any in the southwest of England, I will try and uh, I will try and come along. Yeah, that would be amazing. I'd love that. Thank you so, so much again. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.